0: Hey Sleuths, it's your girl Bree and we are back for episode 2 of What a Crime Podcast. And I just want to thank y'all so much for the love and support. Um, I just wanted to talk about true crime and I had no idea that a microphone and a passion would lead to this, but hey, here we are. So again, thank you. We have a long journey ahead, so let's get with it. Um, Today's episode is about the Watts family murders. Yes, I'm talking about Chris and Shannon Watts. I had people asking me about this one, absolutely terrible, what happened to Shannon and her girls. My last case was nine pages worth of notes. This one is sitting at about 20, so you know I'm about to go in. I read two really good books that gave me a lot of new insight into this case. Um, the Perfect Father by John Glatt and My Daddy is a Hero by Lena Holly I also went back and rewatched American Murder, The Family Next Door on Netflix, listened to some prison interviews. Um, and yeah, I just want to start by talking about Chris and Shannon in the early years, um, because what good is digging into a criminal case if you don't understand the criminal and the victim, and I'll tell you, none. (laughs) So yeah, let's start with Shanann Catherine Watts. So she was born January 10th, 1984 in Passaic, New Jersey to Frank and Sandy Bruchek. but when Shanann was still little, they moved to Clifton, New Jersey. And she was apparently super shy and said that she would get picked on and bullied at school. Um, Her and her younger brother, Frankie, were super close, so of course he would protect her and allegedly got into quite a few fights sticking up for his sister, so you go, Frankie. Um, The family moved again from Clifton to Aberdeen, North Carolina, where Frank started his own home improvement business and Sandy worked at a hair salon. Uh, Let's fast forward to Shanann being in high school. She's attending Pinecrest High, and if you don't know, that school is pretty known for their art and drama program. Um, So Shanann's theater teacher... Mr. Francis became a pivotal character in her life. In fact, when he left the school in order to get married, she told him that he had been like a father figure to her more so than her own father. Like y'all, she didn't even want to go see the guidance counselors because she would rather talk to Mr. Francis, like the the principal in them tried to make her go talk to guidance counselors. And she was like, no, fuck that. I want to talk to Mr. Francis. (laughs) And he said that his class helped bring her out of her shell and she actually excelled like helping uh, production behind the scenes. And Mr. Francis said that Shanann was, quote, a very insecure young lady who didn't have a lot of friends when I met her. She did not have a good self-image of herself, but she was brave enough to sign up. Right away, Shanann realized we were about ensemble. She was with a group of people that were much more outgoing than she was, but she also realized that they cared about her. So I think she really started to thrive. Now in shanann's senior year she met her high school sweetheart leonard king and by the time shanann graduated they were already engaged like afterward they got married she started college uh leonard joined the army so it's looking good but then she ended up quitting school to help support his dreams of becoming a lawyer and she got a job selling cell phones and pagers And then she got a really good-paying job managing another company for the same guy that owned the cell phone company that she was already working for. And the clientele at the new place was extremely wealthy, and it consisted of, like, rappers, athletes, car enthusiasts. Um, She even got to drive, like, a a pimped-out Cadillac Escalade, like, for the free ski. So, according to Leonard, they tried several marriage counselors, but Shanann was just like, nah, this like, mm mm-mm. So, they divorced in 2007 because... He said that she was always gone and didn't want to tell him where she had been. So now she's divorced and she's trying to get back on her feet. Um, Everyone said that Shanann was a really hard worker. So she got on the grind and signed a $309,000 mortgage for a house like right outside of Charlotte that she had built. I'm not gonna lie. That's pretty fucking impressive, Shanann. Like, especially considering the fact that you were 25 at the time. And y'all, I'm not talking about a starter home. No, Mm -mm. y'all. This house was laid out. Look it up. Four thousand square feet, twelve rooms, four bedrooms, four bathrooms, a lake view, a sunroom, a custom-made kitchen, and you know if she had all that, that the furniture was gonna be a one. No steak sauce, and um, I think her brother Frankie said that around that time she was probably bringing in five hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, <laughs> I need that. But soon after moving in, she fell uh ill and she was losing a lot of weight. She was losing her hair. And poor baby ended up getting diagnosed with lupus. And if you don't know what lupus is, it can be rough like and fatal. It's an autoimmune disease where the body literally attacks itself. Um, she was on medication and that medication caused her to gain weight. And right when all of this is going down, Chris Watts sends her a second message on Facebook. This time though, she like she responded. And I know y'all going to be mad at me because I know you thought I was going to go straight into the story. And I promise I'm going to get there. But I do want to talk about Chris Watts real quick. I need y'all to pay attention to their upbringings and early life. Because it will become extremely apparent that they haven't healed as we move through this case. Remember in my last episode I said hurt people hurt people. I stand on that. And unfortunately this one was no exception to the rule. Okay. On to Mr. Doodoo Watts. So. Chris was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina on May 16th, 1985 to Ronnie and Cindy Watts. His mom said that uh, him and his father were really close and that they did everything together. So Chris loved sports and his dad would take him to different sporting events. He was shy and withdrawn like his father. He attended Pine Forest High School and apparently he became even more withdrawn. It was not only uncomfortable around his peers, but they ignored his ass. His sister said that he didn't go out with his, you know, with friends he was just he was just in what sorry that was my dog um he was just interested in working on cars his teacher uh joe duty said he was extremely smart and was in the top 10 percent of students that he, that he's had so he wanted as dumb as we think but he's he's still pretty dumb um his teacher said that he never saw chris with a girl but the funny thing was a lot of girls at the school had crushes on him but he was just too awkward to do anything about it anyway so back to his interest in working on cars um chris actually got accepted into the nascar institute in mooresville north carolina so he spent so much time away from home that his dad really started to miss him but chris was focused like while his classmates were out drinking and partying he was studying now remember i said that chris and his dad were super close his dad missed him so much, and I guess, I don't know, maybe he was so bored of having to deal with his crazy-ass wife that I'll talk about later. He missed him so much, apparently, that he picked up a cocaine habit, but thankfully he did quit. Um But Chris wanted to work for NASCAR, so he sent out applications, but nothing really turned out the way he wanted to uh, or wanted it to around this time. He took a good-paying job at the local Ford dealership uh, as a service technician, so... Got him a little hot rod Mustang and kept plugging away. Now, crazy thing is, he got his first girlfriend, y'all, but she was in a messy divorce, and once it was over, she left him for somebody else. That's when his friend told him to reach out to Shannan on Facebook and send her a request. He was like, eh, "What the fuck," and did it. But she didn't respond to him for like months. Matter of fact, remember he had to send two messages. And like I said, finally, Shannon responded to the second one. So they go on a few dates and Shanann says that she knew Chris was the one for her because he let her lay on his lap when she wasn't feeling well for about three and a half hours. And apparently homeboy had to pee. But he was like, yeah, you, can, you know, you can lay on my lap. He also went with her to I think a colonoscopy. So yeah, she was just like, mm-hmm, that's it. So eventually Chris moves into Shanann's house and the families get to meet. Now, the Watts were concerned because they wanted to know how Shanann was able to afford such a massive house at a young age. And the Rucheks are like, uh, our daughter works hard. Okay, don't do that. And Cindy Watts says, so Shanann has been married once before? And Sandy said, yes, just like your daughter was. (laughs) Bloop. (laughs) I mean, dang, y'all, it seems like it's bad blood already. So, Later that year, in August, they rent a beach house in Ocean Isle, North Carolina, and they invite Shanann's family, and Chris popped the question, and boom, they're engaged. He spent $10,000 on this ring. So, they go visit some friends out in Colorado, and they love it so much that they decide to move out there. Now, Shanann's friend was a nurse, and she said that the, you know, the air would help Shanann's lupus and kind of give her a better quality of life. I ain't gonna lie, I'm trying to get out of North Carolina myself, because anything's a better quality of life than here. But um cost of living is great though so uh now it's time for the engagement party and shit goes way left like Shannon and cindy end up getting into it because cindy accused Shanann of turning chris against his family sandy says that they wanted the food to be gluten-free and the invitations needed to be sent out but jamie chris's sister ordered the food with gluten and so apparently Shannon couldn't eat and she didn't send the invitations out Jamie denies this and says she may have forgotten to send out one or two but everyone was there uh ma'am I mean if you forgot to send one or two then everybody was not there so (laughs) just insert the Nick Young question mark meme here like y'all these families are going at it so after this engagement party apparently Chris cut off all contact with his family at Shanann's behest like Jamie tried to reach out to him and smooth things over, but he would not respond to anybody. So peep this, y'all. They weren't even invited to the wedding, okay? The only one from Chris's family that came was his grandmother. And if you know anything about this case, he loved his grandma. Chris said, quote, I blew up at my family to a point where I said I didn't need them anymore because I have Shanann. I cussed my mom out. I don't know if Shanann coached me to do it. Or if it was just rage like I'd never seen before. Uh okay. So I'm not gonna spend too much time on them moving to Colorado. Shannon was staying back in North Carolina trying to sell her property and Chris went ahead and moved out uh, you know, to Colorado with Shannon's friends and they all apparently got along great. Their kids loved Chris to the point where if they cried or were sleepy Um, Their mom said sometimes they would ask for Chris. I'm like, damn, how did dad feel about that? But anyway, friends said that they thought he would be an amazing dad, right? So Shanann is still in North Carolina. And she tells Chris that he should sign up for a communication class. Now, I personally think that Shanann's insecurity didn't go anywhere. And that this was kind of like a way to make sure that he kept busy. And for one of his assignments, y'all. He gives this really eerie presentation considering what we know now. Now, let me set this up for you, okay? Um Chris does not look how we remember him, okay? Remember how in Shape he was on the Netflix documentary and here lately no. This Chris has some happy weight, dog. (laughs) like, okay. So he's giving this presentation for his class and he chooses to talk about how a relationship deteriorates. I'm going to read this in his words. It's a little lengthy, but it's super important. So stick with me. All right. Okay. So quote, the relationship begins to fall apart, crumble or fail. You have weakening bonds. You get bored with an everyday routine. Even at the job, you might meet a new person. And it could strengthen into something else and weaken the bond you have with your partner. You have awkward silences at dinner. You disclose less of your feelings and show less affection towards each other. According to my research, sometimes the necessity can be children. Sometimes when your relationship starts to deteriorate, a child could help repair it. Sudden deterioration would be infidelity if someone is not faithful to their partner. Gradual would be if you met someone at work. And as it goes on, you see that, okay, maybe this relationship has more potential than the relationship I have with my partner. And that would gradually push the old relationship out and push the new relationship in. Repair is not an option and they want to get away and start anew. I'd like to say that relationships are hard, but they're worth it in the end. And as the Swedish proverb says, a double joy is a shared joy and a double sorrow is not a shared sorrow. Thank you. So When he uploaded this to YouTube, Shanann commented and said, "Great job, Christopher. Good information." What fucking weird is that? Did that man just literally speak this situation into existence? (laughs) I think so. The tongue has way more power than people want to give it credit for. So, all right, let's jump back into the timeline. That was just—I just had to put that in there. That was just crazy. That he, like, he literally did a presentation. about exactly what was going to happen between him and Shanann, which just wow. Anyway, so Shanann finally sells her house in North Carolina and y'all she makes a forty-one thousand dollar profit. She needed to sell the house and get to Colorado with Chris, so she left all of that furniture for the buyer. She gets out to Colorado, you know, they live with their friends for a little while until their house is done being built in Frederick, Colorado. So they're moving into like a pretty new development. Um, they both worked at the local Ford dealership. Now, the manager of the dealership said that he noticed how Chris always handed his wage envelope to Shanann, saying, quote, he was very passive and she was very aggressive with him. Bossy, do this, do that, telling him what to do, dominating the relationship. I will say that this is not the first time I came across this in my research, and I'm almost certain that if it is true, this is one of Chris's motives. Now, that doesn't make it an excuse by any means, trust me. But I think this is going to come back around at some point. So, they're working at the Ford dealership, and Chris wants this special part for his Mustang. And Shanann surprises him with it. (laughs) $7,500. And that weekend, Bella was conceived. So, y'all already know what happened, okay? Shanann had baby clothes from years before when she was preparing to become a mother. So, she was going in, y'all. And she posted literally everything on social media. So, she posted the pics of the baby's closet. Baby was going to be flyer than a lot of us I knew it was going to be flyer to me. Um, you know, her luxury crib for baby Bella had her name engraved on it. So December 17, 2013, here comes Bella. And everybody is literally in love. And it was a really happy time. If you've seen the picture of Chris holding her, he genuinely seemed happy. Um, family and friends were coming in to visit. It was just a really, really joyous occasion. And they also decided, though, that on top of their $2,800 a month mortgage, They were going to lease a 2015 Ford Explorer um, for $588 a month. (laughs) Let me be thankful because I get mad paying for my little Honda every month. Uh, Let's fast forward to 2015. Shanann is pregnant again with Celeste. Her parents leave Aberdeen and come to Colorado to live in the basement and help Shanann with her pregnancy. So at first they weren't working. And Chris said the tension was always thick between Shannon and her mom because her mom would try to tell her how to raise her child. Like, no, ma'am. Chris said it was stressful because he never knew what to expect. Um, In June of 2015, this about made me pass out, y'all. The Watts were $450,000 in debt. $70,000 of it was credit card debt from purchases like from Macy's, Nordstrom Rack, Toys R Us. So they filed Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Now Shanann told a few of her friends and her mom. Chris didn't tell anyone. He claims that he didn't know because Shanann handled the finances. But you have to take a credit counseling course in order to file for bankruptcy. So I don't know about that one, Chris. But... He says that a lot of the debt was from the wedding because they just put it on credit cards. <laughs> Take me to the courthouse. $60 and two witnesses would have gotten you the same thing. Um, And then on July 17, 2015, Celeste is born, but she had a swallowing disorder that caused her to have to be on steroids for literally the first year of her life just to help her breathe. And I can't imagine that with America's healthcare system that that was cheap either. So on top of all of the debt that they're already in, So in 2016, Shanann signs on to Thrive, which is an MLM lifestyle company. And if you don't understand Thrive, I know you've heard of like Herbalife. I'm sorry if there's any Herbalife folks that's listening to this, but the ones that I met got on my nerves, man. Like it's basically like the more customers they, you know, bring in and the more people they bring on to work under them, the more money that they make, but. Shanann was actually really good at this and she was actually really using the product she actually said it helped with her lupus so she was bringing in bank y'all like she won so many all expenses paid vacations for her and Chris she even got uh, I think it was an $800 a month like allowance toward a new car and she chose a Lexus um she wasn't afraid to market the product like most of her Facebook posts were about Thrive and um yeah, like I said, the patches helped her with her lupus. So I'm glad about that. I'm pretty sure that that was part of the reason why she was able to, you know, sell it so well. She actually was getting results from it. And she even got Chris to sign on. But you now we all know Chris is awkward. So um, she would write his posts and help him sell so that he could also make some extra money um but you know like i said chris didn't like being in people's faces or posting about thrive the way shanann did but he did wear the patches and y'all he went from happy meal chris to 194 pounds like he was basically in really good shape now he would cut the grass with no shirt on he was able to put bella and cc on his back and do plenty of push-ups i would have caved at about 15 or 20 he could apparently get the 50 with the girls on his back so Now, one thing I did notice from my research was how much Shanann was on social media. I'm like Facebook Live, Instagram, Facebook posts. She always had the camera up and rolling and her posts would talk about Thrive, Bella, CC, how much she loved Chris, what a great husband he was. And now here's where shit starts hitting the fan. So people are starting to notice that their marriage, despite being so idyllic on social media, ain't all this cracked up to be. So there's one Facebook um, live that showed Chris dressed up as Santa because that's what Shannon made him do every year. He had left his phone in the garage and Shannon was on live on hers, so she needed his to take the pictures of him and the girls. Now the girls in the background they crying and screaming, and Chris didn't have his phone, so she flips the camera around on her and she's like, oh, "My husband, he just, you know, he doesn't listen." And you can tell she was annoyed, but you can tell Chris didn't want to be dressed up as Santa Claus either. And then another incident happened where a neighbor was unloading her car she said that Shannon and Chris were having a very heated argument outside in their driveway I'm talking hand motions and all that kind of stuff and she says once she caught their eye they literally calmed down started talking to each other calming and he even gave her a hug and she said it, it couldn't have been no more you know than 30 to 60 seconds like just hugged her and you can tell that what they were doing at this point was pretty much for show so Let's fast forward to Oops, we did it again. No, I'm not talking about Britney. I said, We did it again. So, Shannon set up her phone on the counter and showed her shirt that said, Oops, we did it again. So, when Chris walks in, he seems like kind of confused, but then he sees her shirt and he says, Really? She's like, Really? So, he gives her a hug off camera and he asks if it's a girl because the test is pink. That's the fuck okay so Shanann says it's just a test I don't know and so he's laughing but the laugh he's giving like y'all it sounds so weird like I'm not convinced that seeing and hearing this video that he was excited or happy um for this third baby I think it was the exact opposite y'all have two children already young children at that just got finished filing bankruptcy like but this is what stood out to me the last thing Chris said in the video was well, I guess when you want something, you get it. Wow. Yeah, homeboy was not happy at all about this. In fact, multiple people talked about how Shanann was the, you know, more dominant one in the relationship, and Chris was usually happy, obliging. But you can tell that he was getting more and more, you know, resentful towards Shanann, and that resentment would lead to his starting an affair with Nicole Nikki Kessinger. They worked together and Chris had to go to Nikki's office one day about an issue that they were having with one of his oil field sites. So they struck up conversation. It turned to emails and then got more and more flirtatious and romantic. So Shannon plans a trip to North Carolina to visit her parents and she decides to take the girls. She even says that she uh, she would visit Chris's parents with the girls. Now, you know they have bad blood. So I thought that things were looking up. I'm sure she did too. Well, when Shanann gets to North Carolina, it's like all communication sees with Chris. And she was pissed. Like, he wasn't answering her calls. He wouldn't call Shannon or the girls. So naturally, she's like, what the fuck is going on? Well, that entire time, Chris was with Nikki. He was either at her house or she was at theirs. And y'all, he would disarm, I'm sorry, he would turn off the, um, the video surveillance, you know, that they had, like the ring camera, the camera, you know, in the garage. He would turn all of that off so that he could bring Nikki into their house. Now, here's why I don't like Nikki, because she knew what was up. Even though Chris had told her that him and Shanann were separated, sleeping in different beds and getting a divorce. Y'all, she had Googled Chris and Shanann back in 2017. That's been confirmed. It's a 2000 page document that was released from the Well County, you know, um, you know, the DA, he released it. And I mean, back in 2017, like y'all, she was absolutely plotting. And then it came out later. Like I said, she was Googling things like, man, I'm having an affair with says he's leaving his wife, all types of shit. Just ridiculous. But I'm not going to lie, Chris said that he felt in control with Nikki. He was extremely subservient to Shanann. Um, Remember how I said earlier that him and his dad used to uh, like to go to NASCAR races and drag races? Uh, He literally got a scholarship to the NASCAR Institute. And guess where him and Nikki went while Shanann was out in North Carolina? Yep, you guessed it. He went to a car race and he said that he hadn't felt that way since he and his dad used to go to these races when he was a little kid time for a brief tangent (laughs) y'all i say this from experience please work on healing your inner child if you don't your inner child begins to make excuses for you and we all know that the real world as my mama would say does not give a damn about excuses let me tell you that they don't matter and it's not that you want to make excuses excuses suck but our brain is designed to protect us from trauma so the only way to heal your inner child is to reparent yourself and that's exactly what Chris was doing and of course this isn't an excuse for what he did he should have just left I'm just saying keep in mind that not including the affair he married the second person he had a relationship with Shanann was his second relationship in his entire life the first one was also going through a divorce like do you remember what I said about Chris Watts and his relationships he was always so awkward and shy that he didn't even realize that girls liked him he didn't know what to do with a relationship and that's why I think he was always described as quote-unquote shy hell they described his father in the same manner there's nothing wrong with being introverted like we all need our time to ourselves but we don't need time to ourselves to fall in love with someone who isn't our spouse, plot to kill them and our children, and then go live happily ever after. Because I promise that happily ever after will not come. That's why his ass is sitting in the jail cell right now. Yeah, okay. Whew, back on track. So, Chris is doing all that he's doing with Nikki. Um. Got this girl Googling wedding dresses. He wasn't answering his phone. Shannon is growing suspicious. Like, okay, you used to dote on me all the time. And now all of a sudden, you're nowhere to be found woman's intuition Shannon absolutely knew what was going on he told her the reason that he hadn't answered uh was because his tire light came on and he had to get the tires aired back up so Shanann said I mean you could have answered or texted back I thought something happened but you don't care about others feelings or think you're with another girl or worse no consideration of others Chris didn't reply why because this motherfucker was on the Victoria's Secret website you walking human fucking turd I know no one is perfect but y'all you didn't respond to your wife because you was on Victoria's Secret website shopping for your mistress? Oh, Shanann was like, we didn't just start dating yesterday. We've been together for eight years and have two and a half kids together. So, over in North Carolina, it was Cece's birthday and Shanann's friend says she told her that she wished her mother-in-law and Chris's family would get over it already because they had beautiful kids, a great marriage, and a new baby to look forward to. Meanwhile, turd hustler is having the time of his life with Nikki he had never been to the sand dunes but wanted to go so they took Nikki's forerunner for a four and a half hour trek and made it to the sand dunes and one of the videos we've seen is Nikki recording and talking to Chris and in this video she says quote thank you so much for coming out here with me Christopher I'm having a wonderful time you mean a lot to me and I'm glad that you're having a blast and then she blows him a kiss Uh 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 Something don't sit right with me. And um, now it's time for Chris to fly out to North Carolina and be with his actual family. Well, the night before, Chris sent Shanann a text and said that he was tired, loved her, and would make it up to her. But this dookie track had the nerve to send Nikki a letter on July 30th, 2018. And it said, Nikki, wow, where do I even start? The first day I saw you, you took my breath away. The first day... I had the guts to talk to you. I got lost in your stunning green eyes. Green as in envy because my guy, you would have gotten sick of her too. (laughs) The first day we went out in the park together, I knew I was addicted. The first time we kissed, I knew I had met the most amazing, unique, and electric woman ever. Like, why not say this about your wife, ding dong? Then he goes on to say, we have had a lot of firsts together, Nikki, and I want to keep having them with you. Love, Chris. And then, y'all, this man had her saved as APC Health Safety Environmental like in his phone. Like, man, I'm so cleverly stupid. Because <laughs> if I see that, I'm going to be like, who the hell is texting you from APC Health Safety Environmental? So, anyway, Chris flies in, lands at RDU, and Shannon is like, text me so I can record the girls. Later that night, he's super evasive and distant. Shannon is up throwing up. Cause you know, she's pregnant while Chris is outside talking to Nikki, like just, just wow. Now, what was interesting to me is that since Shanann had been in North Carolina and away from Chris, her social media posts had declined dramatically. Hmm. So she wanted to have sex, right? And the telltale text she sent to her friend read, quote, I can't do this. Not three alone. He's never been like this five and a half fucking weeks no sex. Unless he is getting it somewhere else. So let's fast forward. Shanann tells Chris that she loves him more than he knows. That same morning, Chris deleted his Facebook. Now you know that's a huge deal because he used to be all about Shanann and what made her happy. I think this was the first step of him kind of disassembling his life with Shanann. He wanted that new life with Nikki. His dad was like, man, I know you ain't delete your Facebook. And Chris was like, yes, sir. Like, liberated. it. The second one was a direct quote. His his daddy didn't say, man, I know you ain't delete your Facebook. But he pretty much did. <laughs> so, now, this is where things start getting weird and extremely telling, in my opinion. That same morning at 1144, he sent Shanann a picture of one of the girl's dolls lying on the couch with a sheet covering it like a burial. And what did Shanann do? Post it on Facebook with the caption, quote, I don't know what to think about this like it's clear how Chris felt about social media and she decides to post everything on Facebook but that picture y'all is so eerie especially considering what I'm about to tell you later on so Shannon was trying to fix her marriage and it's like a woman's intuition she could feel her man slipping away from her so she ordered a self-help book and had it sent to the house She also bought that same book and downloaded it on her phone so that her and Chris could, quote, be on the same page. Like, that's so heartbreaking. I'm seeing one person fighting like hell and another one who just gave up. So, check this out. Shanann writes Chris a gorgeous, beautiful letter. She was letting her guard down and her feelings out. She was being vulnerable. And her friend is like, well, what did Chris say? And Shanann said that she felt the most positive she had in weeks they had a private gender reveal party and guess what Chris was finally gonna get his son after two girls now apparently Chris agreed to try to work it out and Shanann said quote he told me he loved me back still cold but not as cold he even kissed me before going to sleep in the basement tangent time and this is no shade to Shanann but I need to say this ladies and fellas Stop doing the most for these folks that do the least. If they say you're doing too much, ask yourself and them if they're doing enough. Stop giving folks cookies for doing the bare minimum for doing what they're supposed to do. It's annoying and you're only showing them how to treat you in the future. Why do I say that? Because Shanann said that Chris kissed her before going to sleep in the basement. What did Chris do when he actually got down into the basement? Transfer some naked pictures of Nikki Kessinger to his secret calculator app. You giant sack of shit. And Shanann left him a beautiful letter, like I said, and instead of him reading it, he immediately went to set up another date with Nikki. She had ordered both of them copies of a relationship help book, and when she got the notification that it was delivered, she let Chris know so that he could throw it right in the trash. I mean, damn. <laughs> like, it seems like she's trying to save the relationship on her own, but Chris is checked out. So, while he's out meeting his male coworker, they get a text that there's a leak at this, um, at one of the oil sites. And even though Chris had promised to take Bella to her first day of kindergarten, he agreed to go out first thing Monday morning to take a look at it. I think that this is, you know, where he starts to put his plan and alibi into place. Like this man is cold. Like he really was thinking y'all. So he called Nikki and said that he and Shanann agreed to split everything 50-50. Well, I don't recall this conversation. And that his and Shanann's quote-unquote transition would start on Monday. Scary use of words. He then texted her and said, quote, hope you had a great night, beautiful. Miss you. Get home safe. Sweet dreams, my sexy empanada. What the fuck? You call me a sexy empanada, we're done. (laughs) So the next day he gets a babysitter. Now, him and Nikki go out to dinner and Shanann gets a notification that their credit card was used at a restaurant called the Lazy Dog. Now, the charge was $68. Oh, you know, Shanann is like, what the hell did you order that cost $68 and you going out by yourself? He told her salmon and a beer. Well, y'all know Shanann is smarter than that. She goes onto the restaurant's website and pulls up their menu to see that it would only cost him $30. So now she's like, okay, wait a minute. Now she's super suspicious. She told him to keep the receipt so that they could write it off on their taxes. (laughs) Bloop. Bloop. Like he must have known that she would see that $68 charge. I think he was just such a coward that he wanted to make it to where Shanann confronted him because his wee little balls couldn't drop enough to confront her about him not being happy in the marriage anymore. That's just selfish. That's a coward. So Shanann is in Arizona for her business trip. But everyone is talking about how she didn't look like her usual upbeat self. She was so preoccupied with Chris and wanted to get back so she could talk to him about, you know, working things out. She calls him, but he has an attitude because he says she was, quote unquote, interrupting his workout and that he had to go. Well, that's because he was legit in the middle of a two hour long conversation with his girlfriend. That's sad as fuck. Like, she's been trying to work it out with you for so long, and you don't even have the guts to tell her that you just don't want it anymore. So, it's one twenty-five in the morning, and Shanann is with Nicole Atkinson, her friend. And they just landed at Denver Airport, and they're, you know, on the way back to Frederick. Shanann told Nicole that when she got home, she wasn't going to wake Chris up. She just wanted to hold him. Now, trigger warning this is going to get really dark really fast so if you don't want to hear these details i advise you to skip ahead so chris says that he feels Shannon stirring around in the bed and she starts rubbing on him they end up having sex and they fall asleep chris then wakes up and goes downstairs to make his lunch he then comes back up and asks Shanann to cancel the trip that she had planned to aspen for that weekend because he just didn't want to make it work anymore Shannon starts crying and says that she knew it was someone else Um, and she literally tells him that you are never going to see me or your kids again. At that point, he said that he got on top of her and she was like, what are you doing? Get off of me. Like, you're going to hurt the baby. Y'all, he started strangling her and he said she didn't struggle. I want y'all to know for manual strangulation. It takes anywhere from two to four or five minutes for someone to die. She did not struggle at all. And on top of that, he said that she was crying and mascara was running down her cheeks as she was watching the man that she was so in love with strangle her to death. I can't imagine the shock, the terror that was you know, coursing through her body at that moment to be murdered by the person who was supposed to love and protect you. So Chris says, Bella then comes in and says, what's wrong with mommy? And Chris tells her that mommy doesn't feel good. He says that he wrapped her in the top sheet of the bed, but she was heavy. So he just dragged her body down the stairs while Bella watched crying. Now, apparently when he was dragging her, her foot was hitting the step, like each step. And that woke Celeste up. He then wrapped her body in trash bags and put her in the back seat on the floorboard. He grabbed his kids' favorite blankets and toys and put them in the car with their dead mother. And they kept asking, like, what was wrong with her? And he said he just kept assuring them that, you know, mommy's okay, mommy's fine. But it took him 28 minutes to do all of this. And the neighbor caught everything on his surveillance camera. So he's driving out to the oil site. He says the girls are crying, whimpering. They're, you know, resting on each other, holding each other and, resting their feet on their mom's dead body like come on dude this this dude is human trash he said that eventually Bella said daddy it smells like this is heartbreaking putting yourself into these cases is hard like remember that this isn't just a story these were actual human lives like my heart is legit breaking for these girls and their mom He's showing premeditation by texting his co-workers and making sure that he wouldn't be disturbed. So, one was supposed to come work on the site, but Chris texted him to let him know that he was already out there. So, there was no need for him to do it. He'll handle it. Chris's response is like, yeah, okay, I will. Throughout this case, the amount of premonition in the words of people involved is like it's starting to get to me. It's like legit chilling. So, he drags Shanann out of the truck and takes her to a spot to dispose of her. He then comes back to the truck and Bella had to watch him force the life out of her sister by taking her blanket, putting it over her head, putting his hand over her mouth and nose underneath her favorite blanket. He said he took her and then dropped her body into an eight inch opening and he heard a splash from her body hitting the oil. He came back to the truck and Bella said, What did you do to CeCe? Will you do the same to me? And he said, yes. The fuck? So Bella's screaming like, Daddy, no. Daddy, no. But Bella fought y'all like hard. Um, She had damage to her frenulum, which is the, um, the skin that connects the lip to the gum. She bit her tongue multiple times before she died. He then takes her body to the left oil tank but keep in mind, Bella's older, so she's bigger. She wouldn't fit. So he had to force her body in. And he scraped some of the skin off her shoulders and her butt. He said that the sound that she made when she fell inside was different because there was less oil in the tank. Like, this man is a monster. Monster. He wanted a new life and thought that the only way he could get it with Nikki would be to literally annihilate his entire family so he goes to Shanann's body and sees that she expelled Nico she literally like oh my god early because of the trauma that she endured he then sent a text to Shanann's phone that said if you take the kids somewhere please let me know where they are at so he's fielding calls now from Shanann's family And friends who are like, dude, where the hell is Shanann and the girls? And his story was just all over the place. Her friend that dropped her off from their business trip, Nicole, she was like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm, nope, I'm going over to the house. She said that she was supposed to have an appointment today. She missed that appointment. That is not like her. She, mm -mm. She said that the house was quiet. And that she could see Shanann's luggage and favorite flip-flops were sitting right by the door and her Lexus was still parked in the garage so she knew something was wrong so her son Nicholas tried to open the garage but it set off the alarm okay so now you know Chris is calling like what, what in the hell like what are you doing at my house so now let's get into uh, Chris and the investigation so like I said her friends are trying their best to get in touch with Shanann But they can't. Chris is giving everyone different versions of the story. So they said, fuck this. We're calling the cops. The cops show up and Chris finally shows up. He tells the cops that they were going through a separation. But then he comes out with her wedding ring on his finger and says, this was on the nightstand. That's weird. Like you little evil man. How is it weird for her to not have her wedding ring if y'all are seriously going through a separation? Like he's so stupid. Like legit. He was not built for this. All you had to do was leave, but you got tight that Shanann said you would never see her or your kids again. So so they head over to the neighbor's house, who has footage of Shanann getting home a little, you know, at almost 2 a.m. And it goes off again at 5.17 a.m. when Chris's truck is being backed into the garage. Now, here is the eerie part. Go watch this if you're interested. But after the neighbor switches off his video footage, it goes to uh, Nat Geo, like the channel. But then a commercial comes on and it shows a baby in the womb, right? Moments later, there is a skull, okay? A skull that's being drenched in oil. Now, y'all, I got chills. If that isn't Shanann and her girl saying you're not about to get away with this. And it's at this moment where the commercial shows the baby that Chris decides to, you know, let the officer know that Shanann is about 15 weeks pregnant. Like, what? Weirdo. So, Chris shakes the neighbor's hand and the look on his face is like, oh, I'm so fucked. Like, you could tell he was pissed at that neighbor for even having that, that footage. Like, yeah, buddy, you are. You're fucked. So, the neighbor tells the cop, like, when he leaves, he's like, he's not acting right. He's normally quiet and well subdued and never talks. So, the fact that he's over here blabbing his mouth makes me kind of suspicious. It gets better. He's doing media interviews while the sheriff's department is searching his home with cadaver dogs. And when the media asked him how he thinks the police have responded so far, he says, quote, they've been amazing. They've been on top of everything. I bet. Shit. They have their eye on you, and you think you're going to get away with it. Of course you think they're doing an amazing job. But they see you. Meanwhile, Nikki is searching how long phone companies keep text messages and if the police could trace them. What do you think, Nicole? You serious? The answers you're looking for are a long time, and hell yeah, they can trace them. So the detectives asked Chris to come down to the police station. And guess what? He immediately called home to North Carolina and told his mom that he needed his dad to fly out. His mom was like, "Uh, okay, but what about me? And he said, no, mom, just send dad. Interesting, because remember when I talked about his childhood, everyone said that he was super close to his dad. So he's down at the station at this point getting interrogated. They're digging into his shit because he's lying about the affair. He's stuttering, being fidgety. He says that when they catch the person who is responsible for Shanann and the girl's disappearance, that they should get life in prison. So Special Agent Coder asked him, now what if they killed them? And Chris said, quote, the death penalty. So by this time, Nikki and Chris's work emails have been retrieved. And investigators know they've been in a romantic relationship since June of 2018. Well, how coincidental is it that Nikki calls the police department and says that she has super important information regarding the Shannon Watts case? She admits to being involved with Chris and says that she intends to fully cooperate with authorities. Now, they ask him to submit to a polygraph, and he says, sure, why not? Idiot. The next day, he goes to pick up, you know, Ronnie, his dad, from the airport, and then heads to the police department for this polygraph, and this dude's concerned was the fact that the polygraph room had no cell service because he was receiving interview requests from the media. Like, dude, your entire family is quote-unquote missing, and your concern is the media? Anywho, needless to say, he's straight-up lying during the administration of this polygraph test. I mean, he really thought he was convincing. And uh, you know what I love about Agent Tammy Lee? She's a badass. Like, right before she started administering the test, she said, quote, and the coolest thing about this right now, there's only one person in this room that knows what the truth is. And in about five minutes, there's going to be two of us. Exactly, Tammy. Let him know. So while he's doing his polygraph, Agent Matt Saylor and Greg Zentner met Chris's boss, loot at the oil site. And they immediately noticed a bed sheet that looked like the one they'd seen in Chris's garbage a few hours earlier. Now, when he had pictures of that sheet emailed to him, it was pretty clear that the sheet was like an exact match from the one from the Watts home. Back to the polygraph. So Agent Lee has graded the polygraph and listen to her explanation for how it's graded. Quote, for someone who is a truth teller, we would consider them to be a grade two or higher. And we would consider someone to be deceptive if they were a negative four or below. Chris Watts scored a negative 18 You're fucking lying. Even after this, he said, quote, I didn't lie to you on that polygraph. I promised. And Agent Coder's like, Chris, stop. And I feel him because please stop. Your constant lies and fear of taking proper control over your life led you to murder your wife and kids to have a relationship with another woman who turned your stupid ass in and gave all the info she could as soon as she found out that she wouldn't be number one in your life. And I don't know how her stupid ass thought that she would ever be anything more and excitement in this man's eyes he fixated on her and she even admitted this why because you represented everything that he wanted at that moment well too bad get a divorce and properly go after what you want she like y'all she really annoys me for some reason but i really think she believed every lie that chris told like every single one but her intuition was trying to come through she even told a close friend through text that she was still trying to figure chris out she said she was absolutely attracted to him But I think she had reservations, and rightfully so, as we all found out. And Coder, Agent Coder said it best. There are two Chris's. One Chris was the perfect father, one who could pack a bag for his kids and know exactly what to put in there like diapers for accidents. This Chris would read to his daughters before they went to bed at night and give them a nighttime snack. I'm sure that this is the Chris that Shanann fell in love with, the Chris that she would post about on Facebook. The other Chris was a liar, cheater, selfish, and wanted a new life, so he decided to murder his beautiful family. This guy then has the nerve to try to blame the murders on Shanann. Like, once Lee and Coder left the room, Chris told his dad that he came in and caught Shanann smothering the kids and, quote, he had to do the same to fucking her. He finally breaks down. Lee and Coder come back in the room and are pleading with him to just tell them where his babies are so that they can get them out of the cold. Chris said, quote, they're gone. There's no bringing them back. So he only felt comfortable admitting that his girls were dead after he tried to place the blame on Shannon. One of Shanann's friends said she was the best mother she had ever seen. And from the research I've done, reading two books, watching documentaries, listening to his prison interview, I know for a fact Shannon did not kill those girls. I do believe that she told Chris that he would never see them again. In the interview, he said, Those were my girls. You know, basically, if I can't have you, nobody can. And that literally went for his kids, too. So he breaks down again and tells the detectives that he loaded their bodies in his truck and dumped them at the oil site. His dad says, are they buried in something? Chris says, Shanann was. So then Ronnie asked about the girls and Chris said, quote, well, that's what I feel horrible about. They're in a freaking oil tank. And you can literally hear Ronnie like, they're in an oil tank? And Chris says, I didn't know what else to do. Please, God, forgive me. You got quite a road ahead of you for that, sir. Like I said, you murdered your entire family to be with your girlfriend and then tried to blame it on your wife, who isn't even here to defend herself. And the only time he responded with emotion was when he was trying to defend himself. Once you backed his ass into a corner, he would lie, 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 lie some more. And he would do it like in the most cold way. And like I said, only time he showed emotion was when he was trying to defend his ass. So they finally arrest Chris and they charge him. Three counts of first degree murder after the deliberation. Two counts of first degree murder of a victim under 12 by a person in a position of trust. Three counts of tampering with the deceased human body. And one count of first degree unlawful termination of a pregnancy. Now, Shanann's family was devastated they found out about Chris by watching the local news everyone was tuning in to see what happened to Shannon and her girls like it, it literally made national news everybody was you know if you were true crime junkie you are you were hearing about this case in 2018 so they recovered Shanann's body first she was found in her underwear and her knees were up to her chest her body like I said it had expelled baby Nico Right around the time her body was recovered, Chris was back at the police station getting handcuffed. They took pictures of him during the booking process and he had scratches on the side of his neck, on the front of his neck. And this fool said that they were mosquito bites. Like, you're an idiot. The New York Times article said it best with their title. He begged on TV for his family's return. Then he was accused of killing them. So now police gotta start the process of recovering the bodies of Bella and Cece because keep in mind they're in oil tanks they had to drain the oil tanks which were 20 feet tall and 12 feet in diameter they usually held about 400 barrels worth of oil each and they had to use a metal strainer that was connected to a a large vacuum truck to preserve the evidence and it took six hours just to empty one of those tanks so they recovered Cece first Please skip ahead if you don't want to hear these details. Ugh, I can't believe what this piece of shit did to his family. Um, the recovery team could only stay in the tanks for a few minutes at a time because of the toxic fumes. When they finally finished draining the east tank, they go in to get Cece's body. They said that she was face down, and when they moved her body toward the manway, her hand was quote-unquote degloved of its skin, and they had to hand her skin over for evidence that poor baby was covered in oil she was wearing a pink nightgown and she was still wearing her diaper like that's the part that hit me like she was just a kid a baby they had to pat her stomach area down with oil uh, absorbing pads they wrapped her in a white sheet and then they laid her inside of an open body bag the recovery team now has to move to the west tank to get Bella's body it didn't take as long to drain this tank as the other one because it only had about 1.4 feet of crude oil and remember when Chris said that her body made a different sound because um you know it didn't make a splash like CeCe's did so pretty safe assumption to say yeah it wasn't as much oil in this one but they still found Bella covered in oil she was still in her pink pajamas and she also had to be patted down with oil absorbing pads and then the team that went down to get them had to thoroughly decontaminate he didn't give a fuck he put those babies in oil tanks and buried their mother in a shallow grave it was so dangerous having to recover those girls that they had to test Bella's body with a four gas monitor to make sure that she didn't have any buildup of combustibles. They had to legit get a hazmat team to recover their bodies. This man was absolutely 100% callous. So now Chris is in jail, awaiting his trial and stuff. Once people found out what he had done, the other inmates started to threaten him they would constantly they would bang on the walls of his cell told him to kill himself before one of them did and when they would have to take Chris out of his cell they would have to put the entire unit on lockdown to protect him and so because of this they would boo as he walked through I mean as they should hell give him tomatoes to throw too he sucks meanwhile Nikki is stressed out because she's afraid of what people are going to think of her if her name and relationship with Chris is released. But I'll be quite frank, I'm not a France woman at all. Has nothing to do with the affair, but her behavior is disgusting. She Googles Amber Fry. If you don't know who Amber Fry is, she was the mistress of Scott Peterson. Scott Peterson also murdered his pregnant wife Lacey back in the early 2000s and he's currently on death row in San Quentin now amber fry wrote a best-selling book of course because people wanted to hear her account of things this girl nikki googles how much money amber fry made from writing that book and if people hated her afterward like ma'am go to hell that's crazy this woman lost her life along with her beautiful children and you're thinking about whether or not people are gonna like you and if you should write a book about it i wouldn't read it if it were free you need to go somewhere this girl is as stupid as chris googling shit like law enforcement won't be able to find it like she grinds the hell out of my gears like i'm i'm hurting just covering this case what makes her want to write a book about it Ugh. so while the trial and all of this is going on the root checks are having to fly their daughter and granddaughter's bodies back home to north carolina and that's a really expensive thing to do Um, one of Shanann's friends was nice enough to start a fundraiser and gave the proceeds to them. And it was sad reading what Sandy said about the condition of their bodies. She said that they couldn't cremate them because they were flammable and would have blown up a building. The girls had to have specially sealed caskets to make sure that no toxic gases would escape and affect people who would be nearby. They didn't even get a chance to have a last moment with any of them. That's sad. Now the Watts knew better than to step foot in that funeral. So they had their own memorial service separately at the gravesite after they had been buried. And I think it's super ironic that she bought a digital recorder from Walmart, right? Um, so that Chris could listen to the service later, but the recorder malfunctioned. And I don't know if you believe in the spiritual aspect of things, but I swear that was Shannon protecting her girls again. Like, how dare, no. Mm-mm. And you know what Cindy said? We just figured it was CeCe messing around. Ma'am, you can go to hell too. So, time for another brie tangent. Cindy Watts is saying that the entire family believes what Chris is saying about Shanann killing the girls and they stand behind him 100%. Ronnie was doing interviews talking about how Shanann was bipolar and bossy and all of this kind of stuff. Fuck that. That doesn't matter. It did not mean that she deserved to die. Fuck you, Cindy. You created a monster. He literally recreated your dysfunctional family dynamic with his own family, except he killed them. You only care about what things look like, and you met your match with Shanann because you couldn't manipulate and control her the way you tried to do with everyone else. And she was with your son. Did that piss you off? You knew the only way to make her mad was through her children, your own grandchildren. And how's this for a ponder? When Chris really got up shit creek without a paddle, he called for his dad, not you. Anyway, back to the trial. So the coroner finally signs off on the girl's autopsy reports. Um, I found it interesting that apparently at the time of her death, Shanann's blood alcohol level was a 0. .128. She was 15 weeks pregnant. All of her friends and co-workers who were around her and went with her to Arizona for the business trip said that she only drank water with lemon because she was pregnant. But it was such a high amount. But then I think later on, um, the DA came out and said that that amount was pretty normal for human decomposition. Um I'm gonna have to look into that. Um, but Chris decides that he's gonna take a plea deal. So the DA said that the only thing he was willing to do would be take the death penalty off the table. He refused to drop any of the charges, thankfully. Now they let Cindy and Ronnie visit Chris, but his defense said not to talk about the plea deal. He's literally in jail on a monitored line. You know, you could literally, you had to see him on the screen. Ronnie was straight. But when Cindy got in there, you know, the first thing she did was ask or ask Chris about the plea deal and why he took it. This woman pisses me off more than Nikki. Like, damn, do you not speak English? They told you not to uh, bring up the plea deal. And they also told her that if she didn't change the subject, that they were going to end the visit. So, Chris ends up pleading guilty to all charges on November 6th and found out that he would be serving life in prison without the possibility of parole. His mom, Cindy, is literally calling news stations trying to tell them how good of a person Chris is. Ma'am, I thought we told you to go to hell already. Why are you still here stirring up strife? Nikki's giving exclusive interviews to the Denver Post, lying about the intensity of her relationship with Chris. She said they only met 45 times a week. What the hell? Only 45 times a week? And that no long-term plans were discussed. Well, if that's true, why were you Googling wedding dresses? Weddings sound long-term to me. Why were you Googling how to know if a man is going to leave his wife? Mm, You sound crazy. Back to Chris. I think... Frank Ruchek said it best. Quote, you heartless monster. Man, y'all. What a crime. This shit was so hard to get through. The videos, the posts. Um, this case truly messed up the psyche of some of the people who worked the case. Like, um, I'm probably going to butcher his name. But Detective Baumhofer didn't know if he was going to go back to work on the force. Like... He started suffering from major PTSD to the point where two girls walked into a restaurant, two little girls, and he said they looked like Bella and Celeste. He had to leave the restaurant. Agent Tammy Lee, Miss Badass, the one who administered, you know, Chris's polygraph test, she randomly broke down one day crying in a hair salon. And I think this is a perfect way to kind of say this. We need to remember, we have to remember... That these are actual people who are affected by these crimes. From the victim or the victims to their families to the families of the perpetrator, law enforcement, medical personnel. Salute to the law enforcement and the medical personnel for what you do. Shout out to those detectives who worked the Watts case because they did a phenomenal job. Um, You know, prayers for the family, the victims. Now... There's another book called Letters from Chris, where he gives another version of that night. He said that he had already made it up in his mind that he was going to murder his family. He said he smothered Bella first and then Celeste with a pillow before killing Shanann. He said, quote, after Shanann had passed away, Bella and Celeste woke back up. Bella's eyes were bruised and both girls looked like they had been through trauma. Then he took them to the oil site and smothered them again before dropping their bodies in the oil tanks to make sure that they were dead. Now, his mother said that one time Chris told them that he would literally take what really happened to the grave with him. I honestly don't know what to believe. I agree with those detectives that we will probably never get the truth from Chris Chris Watts. He's too worried about his image. Like it's not already fucked in the first place. But that's okay. Fine. My prayers go out to the Ruchek family. I can't imagine being in this situation. But I love that they continue to keep their faith in God throughout all of this. Your daughter and your granddaughters were beautiful. And I know baby Nico would have been too. Man, that was heavy. Alright, so... If you want more information on this case, I highly suggest John Glatz, The Perfect Father. It was very informative and it was an excellent read. Um, if you still have questions after that, which trust me, you will, take a look at My Daddy is a Hero by Lena Derhali. Um, She's a psychotherapist and does a deep dive into Christian and their families and what led up to this tragedy. I think I'm going to do another episode about this case that strictly focuses on the psychology behind it because it was so much that happened that there was no way I was going to put all of this in one episode. So, yeah, we're going to have a perfect father part two next week. Um, With that being said, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Please subscribe. Please give me a good rating. You can follow me on Instagram at whatacrimepc. If you have any case suggestions, just send me an email at whatacrimepc at gmail.com. And as always, remember, never let the criminal win. Stay ready.